were so excited when we found out that Jamie had a new book. Yeah, definitely. Her old book is a great success. And we all have stress in our life. Yeah. And she unpacks it marvelously in this interview we had with her. Yeah, she has so many good ideas and so many little tricks and to make you a little bit more mindful. And really, it really helped me a lot. So we're excited about this interview. It is with great pleasure that we're here to talk about stress. <laughs> no, it really is. We have a guest author in our midst today, and we are so happy to have you here and tap into this wisdom of these two books you've written. We're going to highlight your second book today, but we're so happy to have you. And, and you know, we're all stressed and we all kind of bask in it. I think we kind of wear it like a badge of honor sometimes. And I think this book really outlines ways to let some of that go and walk the world in a little bit better place. And so it so speaks to and aligns with what we have here at Nura. It's an honor to have Jamie Cecil Turner here to talk about her book, her second book, Less Stress Life, How I Went from Crazed to Calm and You Can Too. Welcome. Thank Welcome. you so much, Wendy and Debbie. I'm just honored to be here, really. And we know Jamie because she helped coach us. She's, she's also coached speakers for TEDx, as Barry was TEDx, Navisync as well, that you helped people out. Um, and you used to be a principal as well. That's true. An <laughs> elementary school principal for 12 years yeah. in Fairhaven. And that was nine years ago when I left that position and transformed myself into a business and personal coach. Right. But having that background, of course, was a lot of fuel for what you did um, later on. And being a coach, you, I mean, you can refer back to a lot of that, as we do in life anyway. But I'm saying that's especially being in that position, you probably draw a lot from that. Oh, completely. Experience. Yes. And when I started coaching business owners back in 2009, it was astonishing to me how much their lives were similar to my life as a school principal. Both are leadership positions, mm -hmm. both rely heavily on ma maintaining good relationships and strong communication. So the only thing I didn't have that they did was having to worry about the bottom line of the profits. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big difference, but they didn't have to worry about test scores. So that kind of canceled each other out. Right. And I found I had a lot to offer business owners from my experience as a school principal. And that's what became my first book, Less Stressed Business. Right. And so what actually led you to write your second book, Less Stressed Life? Well, it was always in the back of my mind. Actually, I had purchased the URL, Less Stressed Life, at the same time I wrote the first book. Ah. I had a lot purchased a lot of Less Stressed URLs thinking I would write a series. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, right now I'm up to two, yeah. so, so that's, a, you know, that's, that's progress. That's, right. that's progress. Um, but I think you can, just like the dummy series, you can put less stress in front of anything and create a book. So that's that's my vision long term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll see how far I get with that. All right. Um, but the, the second book uh, was about in August of 2017. I was just sitting at my computer one day, and that day, and I thought, actually August 4th to be exact, and I just thought, I still feel more stress than I want to feel. Mm. And I've been working on stress since 2001, when I really took on my stress in a big way and made significant changes. But there was still more of it than I wanted to have. So 
I sat there and I thought, how can I get better at stress? And I came up with a plan. You did. You did. It's a, <laughs> it's a beautiful plan. And we were recipients of the book and so pleased to be able to have uh, gotten a sneak peek at it. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I want to just highlight that you've said is that you have to work at it. We we so often just say, oh, stop stressing out. Just stop it. Right. And that kind of philosophy is just not very helpful. And so you've really clearly outlined some ideas and some very practical implementation in your book about how to shift our story around stress. Yes, exactly. And actually, I think that rather than distracting ourselves from stress and Look, I'm all for yoga. I've practiced yoga for probably the last 20 years. I've meditated. I think those practices are all wonderful. And I don't think they're quite enough. Mm -hmm. uh, what I think helps even more, instead of not focusing on stress, is to focus more on our stress, which sounds a little counterintuitive. Yeah. But what I did on that August day was commit to looking every day for a moment of stress. And when I was in that moment of stress, asking myself how I could think differently or how I might behave differently in this moment to get my stress working for me instead of against me. And that was the powerful shift I made by really looking at my stress in a very, very deep way. And it was amazing what I learned from that. Yeah. You know, the idea, the overall, I guess, theme of your book is being mindful of stress, which is exactly what you said in so many words, is that is is to think about it, to be mindful of it, to be aware of it at all times. And that's what's interesting to, to me about that is that's one of our five principles is being mindful, which aka stress, people call stress management, which I've heard recently, that's not a great way to put it. You don't manage stress. You deal with it. Right. <laughs> so um, so that, that idea of this mindfulness is right you know, on board. Of course, almost everything you wrote is right on board with what we do. So that's why you're sitting here. <laughs> that's why we like each other that's so much. Like <laughs> um, but that, I love that idea. And I love how you put it right there is to think about it. Yeah. Instead of, you know, meditating all the time and yoga, wonderful practices, but it's not going to go away. Right. I think my book is more of a how-to. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, now you know you're stressed. What can you do about that situation? Uh, so, for example, like driving here today, I hit a detour. Mm -hmm. there was, the road I normally turn on was closed. And then there was a really long traffic light, I'm telling you. And I thought, oh, gosh, I'm going to be late. And I hate being late. But what I've learned in my practice is, well, number one is to leave a cushion of time, which yep. is one of my strategies. We, we both so, resonated with that strategy. Yeah. <laughs> so I had an extra 10 minutes. So that helped calm me down. And then what I've learned is it's how I talk to myself. And instead of saying, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late, I said, it's okay. It'll be fine if I'm a few minutes late. It's not a problem. But I'm sure I'll get there on time. And I actually pulled into the parking lot 10 minutes early, even with the detour and the long traffic light. Right. And that's one of the things you say in your book, too, is talk to yourself like you would talk to a friend. And that's exactly what you did. Right. Yes. And it's so true because we would never berate our friends if they were late. We'd be like, oh, my gosh, we're late again. Why are you doing this? You wouldn't do that. Exactly. So, yeah. It's a, exactly. That's a really good thing because we need to treat ourselves nicely. And that does lower our stress. It's, I think our thoughts have a lot to do with our stress. Mm. We can get ourselves into such angst and, you know, it just grows and, and magnifies 
when we start having these thoughts. Like one story I tell in the book is about being in the car with my husband driving. We were coming back from celebrating Canadian Thanksgiving with his relatives. And we left at six o'clock in the morning and it was pitch black and the most torrential downpour you can imagine. And I was in a panic. I really was like gripping the, the door handle and almost hyperventilating because you could not see oh, a thing. There yeah. were no street lights yeah. and there were all these tractor trailers going past us. And I was almost having a panic attack. I think I was on the edge of that. And then I said, oh, this is one of those stress moments I'm looking out for. <laughs> How can I think differently and what can I do differently in this moment? And in that very moment, I started saying to myself things like, Wayne is the best driver I know. I've been with him 20 years. He's never had an accident in 20 years. I know he's being as careful as he can possibly be. The sun will come up soon and it won't be dark out. The rain doesn't normally stay this heavy for a very long time mm -hmm. and it will be okay. And then I noticed I had tension in my neck and so I did some neck rolls mm. and I was still not quite where I wanted to be so I took out my iPad and started to write about the stress moment. And all of that got me through and the strategy I call that in the book is switch the station in your mind. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like if your mind is on a station, a stressful station, yep. and you're freaking yourself out, which is usually what happens. Yeah. You know, we get into this downward spiral where we're freaking ourselves out oh, yeah. by how we think and what we're saying in our heads that you can turn it around. And that freaking out is kind of like going into battle. Like we're battling mm -hmm. with the stress and we want to control it and we want to overpower it and we want to stomp it down and instead you're saying no let's let's like sit into it and let's sit back you've got these 10 stress trigger um questions well you've got 10 questions to shift how you think of stress and i'm not going to share all 10 because i really want people to actually go buy your book <laughs> but um I liked the one question, what need is not being met? Because so many times our stress is about, you know, something that is a trigger for us that we're not really identifying and we don't really know why we're acting the way we are in the space that we are. So that's... Yeah. Well, we can learn from our stress. Yeah. That's what I discovered. You know, I committed to do this, focusing on my stress every day for a year. Mm -hmm. And I stuck with it. I still do it now. It's just kind of part of my practice. Um, but... You can learn from your stress. Oh, yeah. And that question about, you know, what need is not being met in the car that day was clearly my yeah. need for safety. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I didn't feel safe. And that understanding that helped me. Yeah. Um, and very often, if we can identify the need that's not being met, that's our way in to understanding what's freaking us out in the moment. Right. right. You know, and bringing up that story reminds me, too, of one of the best things about your book besides all the information, of course, is all the stories that you tell. Mm -hmm. And we learn so well through stories. And, of course, you knew that by putting all your stories in. But they're stories of your own personal stories. So we know that, you know, you're not perfect either. And you, you've said that several times in the book. And that's, you can give this advice, but it's because of how you've experienced life and what you've learned. But it's also stories of friends that you've had, of clients. And it's really helpful to me because I learned through stories really well and I relate to people through stories that's how I tell things about you know what if I need them to to get an idea really embedded in their brain I tell a story because that's just the best way so reading your book was easy it was a fast 
easy read. And I don't mean that in a way that your writing is simple, but it's a great read because, you know, a lot of times they're long chapters with lots of really deep things and you're thinking, oh, how am I going to get this? this is good information, but how am I going to get it? Yours does not read that way. Your reads with yes, yes, yes. Oh, another story. Yay. I can't wait to get to the next chapter. Yeah. A lot of so, identifiable, yeah. real life, real people situations right. that we all can identify. So this isn't real, you know, this isn't just from your teacher yeah. place. Absolutely. It's, it's not a, a theoretical place. book. It's a practical book. And yeah. so thank you for appreciating the stories. I think stories yeah. are sticky. Yes. And we hold on, our brains are wired to hold on to stories, which is why right. I went that route. And also because when I committed for that year to focus on my stress, I also kept a journal, which I encourage my readers to do. And I, I jotted those stress moments every day. And those became the bones for the stories in the book. Yep, absolutely. And then of course, at this stage of my life, I have grown children. I don't have all the stress of some younger people. So I had to tap into my friends and family and clients who had small children, who were trying to get pregnant yes. and who were, were dating, who right. were dating right. and you know, in the midst of stressful experiences I no longer had. Right. And so they very generously shared their stories. Yeah. One, one of the best stories that I wanted to take note was of Lisa Luckett's story. And it resonated with me in a way, um, I, don't, I don't want to give away, but she experienced tragedy, and so she had a perspective that a lot of us, thankfully, don't have. But it also helps her deal with everyday stress in a very different way. Right. And um, that just reading that shifted me in many ways, because I think the title of that chapter is something like, it can always be worse. Right. Um, and yes, I say that several times a day, because really, you know, there's always, it can be, and that's another way of thinking about stress. Yes, and what I like about her story and all the stories is that might not be your particular situation, but we can all find a way in, and by shifting our perspective, you know, the le each story has a lesson, and the yeah. lesson from that story was to put your stress in perspective. Right. You know, it's it's probably not as bad as you think. That's it is, right. <laughs> no matter what's going on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's I think I say true. in that one, you know, will it matter in a year, in five years, yes. in ten years? which is not a new idea, but it's something to hold on to because that can help calm us down too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And saying that too, you know, there's some, a lot of the stuff that you write aren't new ideas necessarily. Some of it is very common sense. Like you say, people should go on a news diet, stop listening or watching the news if that causes stress, um, knowing your triggers. Oh, I like that one. Um, like, where is it lurking? Where is it at? Like, like looking throughout your week, where is the stress actually lurking? Because mm -hmm. sometimes it's right behind a, a door and you open it, you slam it again. Right. <laughs> Another one is you say, stop saying yes. And I, I, we hear it shifted the other way. It's learning to say no. And these are things we hear all the time, but gosh, they're so good to be reminded of. And, and it's, it's kind of speckled in with a lot of stuff I hadn't thought about before. So what I've learned is I read, I'm a big self-help reader. And sometimes a book resonates with you at a certain moment in your life. And sometimes it takes a while to catch on. Like the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Steve Covey. I read that many, many years, decades probably ago. And when he says, um, seek first to understand, then to be understood, when I first read it, I thought, oh, that's really brilliant. But I don't think I could implement it for 20 years. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. I just couldn't seem to hold on to it and really enact it in my life. 
so even though some things may not be new in the book, it's my take on it that yep. makes it new. Exactly. And hopefully it See meets it. the reader at a point in their lives when they're ready to hear what it is I have right. to say. And it's how you say it. So even though they might not be new ideas, it's right. how you're saying it that's... And the story and the questions. Right. Just... I love your SURF um, yeah. acronym. Um, so t tell us about that. Okay. That's, it's a great way to remember. So when I was writing, I had this vision of the ocean come to me. And I live at the ocean. I live in Seabright across the street from the beach. So the ocean is ever present in my life. And it occurred to me that the ocean was a great metaphor for stress because the ocean waves keep coming. Mm -hmm. They never yeah. stop. And if we think we're going to banish stress from our lives, we're wrong. We cannot. Stress is always going to be present. And then I realized that, you know, as an ocean swimmer, when you're in the ocean, you have choices. You can jump over the wave, you can dive through the wave, you can surf on top of the wave, or you can decide the ocean is too rough and sit it out on the beach. Mm -hmm. So you have many choices, and I think stress is just like that. So I came up with an acronym using the word SURF, and the S stands for spotting your stress, which is the first step to just even recognizing that you're feeling stress. The U stands for unleash your options. Mm -hmm. So just think outside the box. What can you do differently right now? How could you think differently? Maybe there's an action you can take that's different. Then R for respond. Respond in a new way. Pick one of those ideas and ride it out and see where it takes you. And then the F stands for figure out what worked. So then reflect on how did it go? And what did you learn from the experience? Yeah. So that's... That's my less stress life method. Yes, that's I love that serving to stress less. Yes, <laughs> I especially like the F because we often leave that out, you know, and it's we often don't reflect, and then it doesn't kind of sink in, then you know, and then we repeat the same behavior right. over and over again. Well, I like your book too because it's really all about taking some action around things. So often, I think we stay in stress because we don't take action. We don't actually do something for ourselves or the situation. We don't take an action and um, we can get paralyzed with what if I do this or what if I do that? And your book really mm -hmm. encouraged some, to let's pull the trigger. Let's do something. And that F is then, oh, did that work or did that mm -hmm. not work? And let's maybe do something else. Yeah. I'll tell you, a lot of people feel stuck with stress. They don't see that they even have any options. I had a couple of early readers of the book who actually told me after reading the book that, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I could do anything about my stress. Wow. I thought I mm. just was going to be stressed the rest of my life. Yeah. Mm. And I didn't realize I had so many possibilities of things that I could do. And if, if readers take that message away, that really makes me happy that they just start to see that there are things they can do to live the life that they want with greater calm and greater peace, which is what I've been able to do. Definitely. That's very empowering. Extremely. Yeah. And and on that note, your stress, your your advice was put to a test, your own test. I was wondering if you were going to get to that. I Because it was the ultimate test. I'd say it was, you know, universe's way of really testing you is your method. How is it going to work? So share with us about that. So towards the end, what Debbie's referring to is towards the end of my less stressed life year, you know, I had been writing about things like driving in a car and, and having company and, you know, things that were daily life hassles. 
And then I was really blindsided by a very serious health diagnosis. At first, we didn't know what it was, but it turns out that it was a recurrence of breast cancer that I had been treated for. Actually, at the time, they said I was being over-treated for back in 2001. And now it had spread to my bones, which is not where you want it. Um, you can't remove your bones. You know, right. like if, you could, if it was in your breast, you can remove your breasts, but when it's in your bones, it requires a different kind of treatment. Um, and it really challenged me to maintain the calm that I had come to develop for myself, even in the midst of this diagnosis. I found early on I was having thoughts that were not helpful at all. In the book, I write about how I opened, opened this new jar of my favorite Bobbi Brown moisturizer. And the thought that first comes to me is, will I get to the bottom of this jar? Yeah. That's a powerful story. It was a powerful story. It was a really yeah. powerful story. And, you know, I, ha I have a new grandson who was born during this time period. And I, of course, you know, would start to freak out thinking about how long I would be a presence in his life. Um, but I've learned how to think about this so that I don't feel much stress at all around my health. Really what I say to myself is nobody knows how long they have. I don't know how long I have, and neither do any of you who are listening. And so that's what helps me live each day to the fullest, and that's what I've been doing. I try to find what gives me the most joy in life. Mm -hmm. And actually, I've yeah. said no to some things, like meetings that I don't like. And I, <laughs> I, it's empowered me to kind of put some things out of my life and really embrace the things and the people who give me joy. Right. The, the analogy used there is to press play instead of yes. rewind or, or forward, fast forward, forward mm -hmm. and it's pressing. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that story because it came at my first chemo appointment right now. I think I've had 21 chemo oh, treatments. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and numerous yeah. scans and other kinds of, all kinds of stuff. Um, but I just take each one as it comes. But at my first chemo appointment at Riverview Hospital, the nurses there, I have to give a shout out to them. Mm -hmm. They are just phenomenal. And I was telling them this story that I had heard on a TED Talk about using a metaphor of the controls on a music player, the triangle that's play, fast forward, and rewind. And this TED speaker said that if you're in rewind, you're ruminating mm -hmm. and worrying. Mm -hmm. And if you're in fast forward, you're catastrophizing. Of course. Yeah. But when we're in play, as a friend of mine said, that's when you hear the music of your life. So when I tell this, told this story to the nurses while I'm sitting there hooked up to chemo, in unison, all three of them, they go, stay in play. That's right. Stay in play. And it was just a moment that just grabbed me, and that's become my mantra. I say it to myself at least a few times a day when I start to get ahead of I'm not much of a ruminator. I'm more of a catastrophizer. Uh -huh. So when I start to get ahead of myself and start to worry, I remind myself to stay in play. Yeah. No matter where you are in your life, that's the best advice to yeah, give. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We've so enjoyed talking with you. We could go on and on, but we want to actually just stop right now. We do want to stop right now and just plug the book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> go get the book, Less Stress Life by Jamie Cecil Turner. We really encourage you to put it into practice. Don't let it collect dust. Really, really look at it and apply it to yeah. your life. 
Yeah, it's actually a great read in so many ways. And another thing I want to say about it, you use a lot of popular culture, a lot of music, a lot of TV shows, a lot of movies, things like that, referrals, that it's, it's so relatable. Everything about it is relatable. So, yeah, go out and get it right now. There's no reason not to. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. And it's I think another thing that's positive about it is you don't have to read it cover to cover. It's the kind of book, right? It, it kind of reminds me of the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, mm. when was, was one of my favorite books when I was a school principal, and I would just keep it on my desk, and when I had a few minutes, yeah. I would read a page to inspire me. Right. So it might even be better to be read maybe through once, and then go back and decide which of the tips you want to hold yeah, on to. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Definitely. And things will resonate with you at different times. So yes. That's why. For sure. Exactly. Thank you so much, Jamie. You're welcome. Thank you both. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Keep the conversation going at nourishcoaches.com. And stay tuned for more Nourish Noshes as we continue our quest to make the world a healthier place.